Warning, the information and details you hear on this podcast can be gruesome, graphic, and in some cases triggering. These are real people. These are real cases. This is true crime. Listening discretion is advised. Welcome back to another episode of Couch Detectives. I'm your host, LB, that's me. And let me start this episode off by saying happy Mother's Day to all you mamianas out there. Turn up, turn up. I hope you have the most amazing day ever, and I won't keep you long today so you can get out there and celebrate. To all of my loyal listeners, hello, hello, hello. Thank you for your continued support. You are simply amazing. If this is your first time tuning in, welcome to the family. I hope you enjoy this episode, and it will encourage you to stick around and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. Also, Be sure to follow Couch Detectives Podcast for visuals and updates on Instagram at Couch Detectives Podcast. Before we jump into it, May is Mental Health Awareness Month. And as an advocate for mental health, I encourage each and every one of you to partake in activities that will enhance your mental health, not just this month, but daily. Like seriously, take care of yourself. And if taking care of yourself means therapy and you don't have a therapist, head over to BetterHelp.com where making professional therapy accessible, affordable, and convenient is the goal. They offer access to licensed, trained, experienced, and accredited psychologists, marriage and family therapists, clinical social workers, and board licensed professional counselors all over the world to anyone, anytime. So head over to betterhelp.com and start your journey to self-care through therapy today. And because it is Mental Health Awareness Month, all of my cases will have some aspect of mental health to them. Did you know that individuals with schizophrenia and bipolar disorder are responsible for approximately 10% of all homicides in the United States and 33% of the mass killings. I'll be giving you random mental health and murder statistics throughout this month, but for now, let's jump right into it. This week, I am headed down to one of the most interesting states in America for a case that is simply sad. Miami, Florida, this week, I am in your backyard as I bring you this story of a dream deferred. This is the case of Juan Hernandez Palma. In 2010, we have 37-year-old Juan Hernandez Palma. Now, I don't have a lot of background information about Juan, but I do know that he was born and raised in Honduras, where he had a brother, he married twice, and from those marriages, he had four children. I also know that since childhood, Juan was committed to working. He and his brother Dennis began working at an early age to help out their family. 
Juan's love for his family and wanting to provide for them took him to America in 2006 when he was 33 years old to pursue better jobs. He wanted to give his family a life that he felt like they deserved and he felt like it was his responsibility to do that. So he left from Honduras to America in 2006 and not long after that, his brother Dennis followed him. So in 2010, Juan was 37 years old and Dennis was 24 years old. There was a significant age gap between the two of them. It was a 13-year age gap, but they were still really close. I feel like I always say, like the victim or whoever I'm speaking about, they were really close to their family. And in most cases, they really were. I have to find some cases where there were some family rifts. I know there are some out there. When they arrived in Miami, they immediately began looking for work and eventually both landed jobs in construction. So they started working for the same company. Then they eventually also rented an apartment together and started sending money back home to their families in Honduras. They both wanted to give their children and their parents and their spouses back home the best life possible. They wanted it to be worth it. They made their way to America for the sole purpose of providing for their family. Dennis really saw his big brother Juan as like a father figure and they were really, really after this American dream. Now, they moved to the Little Havana area of Miami, which is a vibrant, colorful, and culturally rich area riddled with many Cubans and Spanish-speaking individuals, just like Juan and Dennis. But the Little Havana area also has some dangerous sides to it. However, Juan was not there for any of that. His goal was to work for a better life, and that is what he was doing. While living and working in America, as I said, he constantly sent money back to Honduras to support his family. So when he got some news from back home about that very family that he was supporting, it turned his world upside down. In 2008, while Juan had been in America for two years, he learned that his second wife was having an affair. This is the wife that he's currently married to. But she wasn't just having any affair. She was having an affair with his son from his first marriage. A wife and a son that he was supporting, that he was in America working hard for, were currently having an affair. Now, affairs in general are devastating. But to learn that your son is sleeping with your wife is another level of devastation. And it caused him to become extremely depressed, like extremely depressed. And to deal with that, he began drinking, really drinking, heavily drinking. And when he started drinking, it's been reported that he became hard to deal with. But that's just the way that he dealt with his pain. He also became suicidal and homicidal at times. This news about his wife and his son really took a toll on his life. This is not something that anyone expects to hear, especially not at this level of betrayal. Juan was losing it. His brother said that the more he drank, the more belligerent and suicidal he became. And this was very scary for him. 
he literally saw his brother withering away right in front of him. So when a call came in to the police in May of 2010, it really wasn't a surprise to anyone. In May of 2010, Dennis calls the police and tells them that they need to get to his apartment and get there fast. When they arrive, they see Juan Hernandez Palma laying in a pool of his own blood. The scene looks pretty horrific as there is blood everywhere. But Dennis tells them that Juan had committed suicide. He stabbed himself because of the depression that he was dealing with. He said that Juan called him and was like, I don't want to live anymore. Either I die or I go back to Honduras. Dennis said he went by to check on him, but then he just left and went to his girlfriend's house for the night. And the next morning, he came back over to the apartment because he had a premonition that his brother committed suicide. And there Juan was, laying on the floor. When the police get to the scene, they are looking and they're like, if he did commit suicide, maybe he stabbed himself and then regretted it immediately after and tried to get out of the house and get help because there was blood everywhere. But then after looking closer, they see that he was cut up like all over his body. So all of that blood had to have come from all of those cuts. It didn't necessarily seem like a suicide to them. So it was a very conflicting crime scene. And then the medical examiner felt like after looking at this crime scene, it had to have been a homicide because of the amount of blood and everything in the house being in disarray. But they had to wait for an autopsy to really determine what took place. Meanwhile, Dennis was convinced it was a suicide because outside of him, Juan's circle was pretty non-existent. No one would come in to hurt him. Or at least that's what we thought. They continued to investigate the crime scene. And while doing that, other detectives began to talk to Dennis's girlfriend because he was there the night that this happened. She gave them the same story as Dennis. She said that Dennis went over to check on his brother because he talked about killing himself again. He checked on him, then he came to her house. The next morning, he woke up and said that he needed to go check on Juan again. When he got there, he peeped his head in the door and Dennis found Juan on the floor covered in blood. And like a lot of people, when he wasn't drunk, she said he was cool, like really nice to be around, awesome guy. Him and his brother were so close. But the moment he started drinking, he got out of control. He lost his temper and he started to want to fight people. But then she told the detectives that the night that Dennis came home, he had a cut on his hand which obviously made them a little suspicious because his brother supposedly committed suicide with a knife. But there was evidence of a struggle when he came in. So his girlfriend telling police that Dennis had a cut on his hand when he came in that night from checking on Juan had their spidey senses going off. So the detectives brought in Dennis to speak with him more because with this new detail, it has them wondering what is he not telling them? When they bring him in, they question him and they see the knife wound on his hand. They also notice that the exact pants that he's wearing is covered in dry 
blood, like covered in it. Why would he wear those pants? But he told them, no, that's not blood. That's just a stain on my pants. They don't believe him. So they sit him down to talk to him. He tells them the same story. He was there the night before to take a shower. After a long day of work, he chatted up with his brother for a little bit. Then he left to go to his girlfriend's house. This was his story initially. As he's sitting there and they are questioning him, his story changes a few times. The next story he tells is that when he got to the house, his brother was drunk and he had a knife and he just kept saying, I'm going to kill myself. I'm going to kill myself. He was belligerent. And then Dennis ran out of the house. Detectives are like, no, you're still not giving us the full story. Tell us what really happened. He kept saying, I didn't do anything. I didn't have anything to do with it. I'm telling you what happened. He's like, this stain on my pants and this cut on my hand has nothing to do with my brother. So detectives, Ben detectives were like, okay, well, since it's his brother, let's allow him to tap into those emotions and that connection that he has with his brother. And maybe that will bring up something else. Maybe that will allow him to tell us more. So they're like, sir, your big brother is dead. Someone that you follow from Honduras to America to seek a better life. Someone you have been working with practically all of your life. He's dead. He's gone. And you're seriously sitting here telling us that you had nothing to do with it. Despite all of the evidence that we have, despite you coming in here with all of this blood on your pants, with this cut on your hand, you're really going to sit here and tell us you have nothing to do with it? Come on, give us the truth. Tell us, maybe you did it and it just wasn't on purpose. What happened? Dennis changed his story again. He tells the police, okay, I went to the house to take a shower. But while I was there, Juan woke up from a drunken nap and started lashing out. He said that he lost his wallet and he was mad about that. So he's going on and on, yelling and arguing. And then he goes into the kitchen to grab a knife. And while he's grabbing that knife, he decides to start lunging at me. He's yelling, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. So in defense, Dennis tries to grab the knife from him and they started fighting. He said he did eventually get control of the knife and there was a strong possibility that while fighting, he ended up stabbing his brother in the stomach because eventually Juan fell. And that's when Dennis left to go to his girlfriend's house. And the story about him going back the next day and finding him still stands just with these new details. So he's claiming this was an accident. He said he didn't call the police because he didn't initially see the blood. He figured his brother fell because he was drunk and tired from fighting. But with all of the blood from the crime scene, I'm not really sure how he didn't see the blood. If you head over to the Instagram account, you'll also see the crime scene. It was so much blood. So he did admit, yes, they were fighting. Yes, it's a strong possibility that I stabbed him. So it's kind of a clear cut case, right? Not quite. They couldn't arrest him until Juan's death was actually ruled a homicide. Because remember, the initial thought was that it was a suicide. When the autopsy report came in, it showed several defensive wounds 
and slashes all over Juan's body, cuts on his hand, a big gash on his back, and a stab wound in the back of his head. With this autopsy report, and Dennis admitting that he got into a fight with his brother and could have possibly stabbed him, detectives arrest Dennis Sosa Palma for the murder of his brother, Juan Hernandez Palma. End of story, right? Nope. Though it seems pretty cut and dry, it is not that simple. And we are in Florida. So although Dennis did admit that he got into a little tussle with his brother, he says it was self-defense. So he decided to plead not guilty to the charges of murder and Florida has the stand your ground law, which I could do a whole episode on that in itself. But for those of you who are unaware, the stand your ground law allows people to respond to threats or force without fear of any criminal prosecution. So it pretty much gives people a license to kill, allowing those, even if they started the confrontation and even when they can safely de-escalate the situation by walking away, if they feel like that at any point their life was threatened, they are allowed to stand their ground, usually by deadly force. And this is the defense that Dennis and his attorney was going to put up because he stated when he went to the house, Juan attacked him. But the problem that the prosecution is having with that is that Dennis initially lied to the police. If it was self-defense, why not say that? He also did not call 911 immediately after the fight and Juan had so many lacerations and defensive wounds on his body. They say it was brutal. So it was more than self-defense. This was murder. Dennis's lawyer was not going to allow that. He argued that Dennis had never had any experience with the law. His English and education was limited. So the way that he initially interacted with the police wasn't a sign of suspicion. He just genuinely didn't know what to do. And because of how police interactions are in Honduras, he also didn't trust the police and he was scared. Dennis stayed in jail for two years as he awaited his fate. Because he was going with the stand your ground law, they had to present their motion to a judge before even determining if it was going to be a trial. So on August 6, 2012, the prosecutors and the defense presented their evidence to a judge. The prosecutors decided to argue for second degree murder because of all of their evidence. But the defense is standing with this stand your ground law and saying that it was self-defense because of how Juan got when he was drunk. The defense told the judge about an incident that happened the year before when Juan and Dennis were working together in Louisiana and Juan got drunk and accused his brother Dennis of stealing a CD. He got so mad that in his drunken rage, he jumped on his brother Dennis, like beating him bad and even stabbing him in the face. 
This was the first time his brother, the person he had looked up to his whole life, had done something so hurtful to him. He was shocked. He had no idea what to do, and he didn't think that his brother would ever do something like this. But he also knew how his brother was when he got drunk. So the time leading up to Juan's death, Dennis just tried his best to stay away from the apartment that they had together as much as he could. He spent as much time as he could with his girlfriend, and that incident took a toll on their relationship. But eventually, they did try to patch things up. However, the defense argued that this was a pattern for Juan, and this time, when he decided to jump on him, Dennis defended himself because he could have died the last time and he didn't want to die this time. Prosecutors and the defense called the detectives, paramedics, the medical examiner, Dennis's girlfriend, and even Dennis himself to testify. And after listening to everyone's testimony, the decision was up to the judge. She would either allow the stand your ground law and Dennis would be free right then and there, or she would say that the prosecution had enough evidence to go to trial. She took the evidence and came back with this ruling on August 17th, 2012. This court had an opportunity to observe the respective demeanors of the witnesses and assess the credibility of each. In particular, the court evaluated and weighed the testimony of the defendant. There was no evidence to support the claim that the defendant was the initial aggressor. She believed it was self-defense and granted the stand your ground motion. There would be no trial. Dennis Sosa Palma was free, found innocent of the murder of his brother, but not fully free. Because Dennis was in America without the proper paperwork, a couple of weeks after the ruling, he was deported back to Honduras, where he currently lives with his mother. This is what Dennis had to say about this entire experience. And he speaks in Spanish, so I'll translate it for you after he's done speaking. Yo creo que las leyes de Estados Unidos, yo creo que ellos tienen todas las herramientas necesarias para saber quién es el culpable. Y yo, gracias a Dios, soy inocente. Bueno, perdí muchas cosas, perdí parte de parte de mis sueños, porque muchos sueños que, que a uno le truncan cuando uno estaba, imagínese, privado de la libertad y de ahí deportado y sin nada, sin ni un cinco, sin ni un peso. Así que vine para acá, para Honduras, con las manos vacías. He said he feels like America has the necessary tools to determine who was innocent and who was guilty, and he thanked God that he was found innocent, but he has lost a lot. Along with his brother, he lost the American dream and returned to Honduras empty-handed. This was an unfortunate case, and I personally don't believe that Dennis meant to kill his brother, but both of their actions led to his death. Juan was battling severe depression, and I'm sure there could be many things said about how he chose to deal with it, but his vices were his vices. As an individual trying to make it for your family, just to be betrayed by the family you were working so hard for would take its toll on anyone. And to be in America without the correct paperwork, where else could he have really turned to for the help that he so desperately needed?
It was a tragic end to what could have been a beautiful story. Today, let's remember Juan Hernandez Palma, not for his mistakes, but for the hardworking man that he was. Until next time, Couch Detectives, keep an eye out on your backyard. <laughs>